Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 169 of The Informed Catholic. And uh, the last episode I did was uh, from LifeSite News, uh, article by John Henry Weston from an interview he had with the great uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder of Kazakhstan. And the subject matter was about uh, a vaccine that could possibly, possibly be made from aborted baby cells. And that's uh, that's something as Catholics we cannot take part in. Now, we just went through the vice presidential debate, uh, Vice President Mike Pence against uh, the senator uh, running running mate with Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. And Kamala Harris is far more left than even Joe Biden but you know I don't I don't like it's almost like we're trying to give Joe Biden a pass and I don't believe in doing that and um he is a liberal on uh, catholic I mean he's not even a catholic in good standing let's face it he you know he's of that generation that wants to be in the faith, but at the same time being given permission, like special dispensation because he is an American. And uh, I don't know why these people want to remain in the church and think that they can be Catholics of good standing. I really, I really would love to get into the psychology and their mind thinking. Why do you not believe that you can't be an Orthodox Catholic and be an American? Why do they have a problem being an Orthodox Catholic? And they, they seem to think you cannot be a good American. You cannot be an American and Catholic. That you can only be a compromised Catholic. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense at all. I mean... Look at it, the, the the Jewish people, you got those who are Orthodox Jews, really seriously Orthodox Jews, and they do not compromise their faith. But for some reason, uh, when it comes to politics, um, you can't. You can't be, you can't be. I don't know why. They, they just don't believe it's possible. They don't believe it's possible for, for anyone to be a, a a practicing Catholic and they don't think it's possible to be a, a practicing Catholic in public life. Every single day, okay, I have struggled. I, for some reason, in my work life, ever since I converted, um, my job did not allow, uh, a lot of times I would say it's my fault. It's my fault for, for many things because I worried about the bills and, uh, you know, I worry about the bills and I have to say it's my fault that I probably should not have let myself worry so much about that. And, in and I made, and I made some bad choices where I sacrificed my Sundays and a lot of times I couldn't make it to mass. And many times when I didn't make it to mass, I was exhausted because my job dominated the weekend. And unfortunately, 
uh, I think it, that has definitely put it uh, a uh, a definite stain uh, on my faith. I struggled. I struggled with it. And then nowadays, ever since this COVID-19, I actually had weekends off. And, um, you know, now, of course, there's a possibility I might lose that Sunday because of uh, it goes by seniority. But now there's a possibility I could still also keep it because I also have a lot of seniority. But the thing is, the one important thing about it is that I was taught a lesson that you don't have to do this. You can, you can, you know, worship the Lord and, and keep your, you keep your weekends. And it's a good lesson for all of us because you let money get in the way. You let worry about getting away. You have to let a lot of times let God take over. And it's a good lesson. Now I'm using that as a slight example is in a sense that there's love of the world. Remember that, that beautiful um, passage in the gospel. And I'm going to bring it up. It's a beautiful passage on you know, our, our uh, spiritual life and the world. And I think it's a good example for the article we're about to read. I want to read it. All right. This is from uh, the Gospel of Mark. It's from chapter four. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he taught them many things in parables. And in his teachings, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it had not much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain and other seeds fell into good soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. And he said, he who has no ears to hear, let him hear. The next one is explanation of the parable. And when he was alone, those who were about him, who were, who were about him with the, with the 12 asked him concerning the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand. Least they should turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear 
Satan immediately comes and takes away the words which is sown in them. And these are in like manner are the ones sown upon the rocky ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the delight in riches and the desire of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that are sown upon the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. All right. So, first, before we go into uh, dissecting this, please subscribe to my podcast. Subscribe and share. That way, Spotify and Anchor will know that you like this podcast. And that way, it'll get distributed even more. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, and all the other cast box and all the others. So please subscribe and share. And uh, let's enter into a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, guardian of the church and terror of demons, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. And St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This particular one, I think, is very relevant for us, this particular passage in Mark's Gospel. You, you'll find something similar I believe in St. Matthew and St. Luke, but the fact that it's true, let's face it. Okay. Look at this. The sower goes out and sows the, the word of God, the seed. A birds come and they steal it. Basically, it's the devil. The devil comes in and steals the word of God because it has, it has not had good root, good deep soil in our hearts and how many of us have had that we've had the faith taught to us some of you you grew up catholic you you've had the faith taught to you since you were uh children now i don't know like i know some people feel that they weren't given good catholic uh upbringing that the the faith was not really rooted into them you know in catholic school and they wandered off and become Protestants or left the band in the faith completely. And because it was not rooted. I mean, they went through all the motions. They went through catechism class. They, uh, they were, they've had first communion, uh, confirmation. And a lot of them feel that they don't even remember anything because, you know, it did, it really did not go, you know, much into their heart. It didn't, it didn't really build much. They wandered off once they, they grew up or they just stopped going to church completely even before they reached adulthood. 
And some, maybe they've had even like Joe Biden. He he probably grew up um, far more, um, you know, with a more traditional faith. I don't know. I mean, he, you know, he says he's, he, 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 his faith is important to him. Nancy Pelosi went to Catholic school. She went to Catholic school. She even went to a nun's. She talked about it. I've seen, I've seen the interview. Uh, John Henry Weston did an interview about her. I mean, not an interview, but a whole episode about her. She was taught by French nuns, these nuns and, and she compared Pope Francis. She said he talks exactly like the nuns who, who taught me. They gave, you know, they gave her a very liberal theology. And look, look at her, look at her politics. She even said in an interview, her parents did not have plans for her to become a, uh, a politician. That her, that their plan was for her was to grow up holy, and to to be a holy person. That she that this is not what they would wanted her to do. They would not even agree with her politics. But yet she's a cultural Catholic, and I say that because it's true. Her faith, she has a different idea of what the faith is. Even someone like Father Frank Provone, who is a priest for life, wrote her a letter complaining to her about her stance on abortion and the fact that she's a Catholic, not in good standing. She called him a medieval priest. She doesn't want to hear it. So she's one of those people that the seed did not root, did not go deep in her. She fits right into this category here. All right. Now, another one is among thorns, uh, seed that fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain, and other seeds fell into the good soil and brought forth grain growing up to increasing yielding thirtyfold. Now, the thorns, now the thorns basically, uh, like it says here, it falls on, uh, they immediately, what do you call them, when persecution began, they fall away, or uh, love, it says here, love, when they hear the word, but the cares of the world and the delight in riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves to be unfruitful. Okay, I'm, I'm serious about this. How many of them? Like, take a look at the Kennedys. Take a look at how rich they are. They're a very rich family. Nancy Pelosi is a very rich person. All right. There's nothing wrong in being rich, but how you gain your 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 wealth and the sacrifices you make to gain that wealth is it really worth your salvation? The policies that she holds on to, abortion, gay marriage, all right, all these particular things that she has used to stay in the political arena. Joe Biden has done the same thing. Joe Biden took participated. He officiated over a gay marriage. He married a gay couple. And he and he basically has supported abortion. And how many people like Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, has even tried doesn't even he hasn't even bothered to fight against abortion. No, he even supports abortion till full term. All right. Then you got this nun, um, 
Sister Simone Campbell, right? She wants people, she's campaigned to have Joe Biden elected. She's a nun. And she doesn't, and, and, and her and many other Catholics do not think Catholics should be a single issue voter. In other words, don't make abortion the only issue. And how many of our bishops have done the same thing? They've also done, you know, they, they, they're members of the Democratic Party and they themselves have, uh, don't believe in making abortion a single issue. What about Father James Martin? What about him? All right. Rainbow Martin, who supports gay marriage. Okay. What has he, you know, what has he sacrificed? The word is not rooted deep in his heart. It also says here, the part here that's really important. Um, okay, when they have no root in themselves, but endure because the, the seed that falls into the rocks and has no soil because the rocks, you know, basically they're in the way, whatever impediments, impediments that get in the way between you and the word of God. And as soon as persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. It's like they're embarrassed and they're ashamed and they quickly denounce their faith. They quickly denounce their faith. How many people are like that? All right. But then the ones that were the, the thorns choke it. These are the ones who hear the word, but okay. And then, but the cares of the world and the delight in riches and a desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. We all fall into this category here. Every single one of us has fallen into this category, unfortunately. Okay. Unfortunately, it has all fallen into category and we're all going to be put to the test. Okay, this is not a self-righteous, uh, you know, in, in, uh, judgment here, interpretation here. No, we all fall into this category. I have felt fallen into this category where I worried about the wrong things. And still I struggle with many other sins. So no, I'm not putting a halo on my head, but I'm serious about this one thing here. We all have to be serious about it here. What happens if we go one day stand before and get judgment, what happens? We're all going to seriously find ourselves in a, in, in, in a serious problem here. I just did an episode about the possibility that a COVID-19 vaccine could be made from aborted baby parts. Think about it. If we take it and we're forced to take it and persecution comes, all right, there's a, a beautiful line in the movie, A Man for All Seasons, where one, uh, Thomas More was constantly being pressured to agree to the king's mandate to, as, as the king head of the church, and agree to the king's divorce. And his friend says, can't you just agree with us, sign this, for fellowship's sake, Thomas, Sir Thomas. And Thomas More answered, Ah, and when the day comes, if I and you know go to hell, will you go to hell with me for fellowship's sake? 
And his friend said, well, I don't know if this thing is right or not. Why can't you just agree with it? And he goes, I can't. You know, he just refuses to agree with it. I can't do it. Out of good conscience, I cannot sign that that bill. And he goes, I will not sign it. And they, you know, they were they constantly hounded him and eventually they put him in prison. It may, We may find ourselves like this. Okay. I don't believe these guys, these Catholics in public arena, in the public arena. I don't know. I just don't think they really believe. I don't think so. I mean, remember Andrew Cuomo a few months ago during the whole height of the COVID-19 shutdown and about how the numbers, they wanted to flatten the line, flatten the numbers. And he was very angry when people uh Gave it, gave compliments to God, gave glory to God for this. And he said, God didn't do it. We did it. God had nothing to do with it. We were the ones that did the work, not him. Pretty scary. Pretty, uh, that's, that was a, a, a very interesting psychological moment. And it's true. I mean, one of the things, interesting things I've learned about this is that atheism is not an intellectual thing. Nothing to do with science. Purely, it is an emotional and psychological response. Pretty scary. All right, so let's begin the article. Now, this is a uh, life news, not life site news. All right, it's Kamala Harris. I will always fight for the right. Now, of course... This is not her word. She didn't say this on live television to kill babies in abortions. But, um, you know, this is how they framed it. But let's just look at it carefully. Who wrote this article? Uh, Micaia Bilger, October 8th. Uh, Democrat Kamala Harris promised to always fight for the right to abort unborn babies uh, Wednesday during the vice president debate. All right, you know, like you can see the difference here. That he has to the the reporter has to be a little bit more careful. But this is the title; it's meant to grab your attention, and it did, of course. Uh, Harris, Joe Biden's vice presidential not running mate, and a California senator face pro-life Republican Vice President Mike Pence at their first debate in Salt Lake City, Utah. The Daily Signal reports both candidates were asked what they would like to happen in their home state of California, Indiana, if the U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade and the power to legislate on abortion, abortion returns to the states. Harris did not answer the question specifically. Instead, she gave a general statement about supporting abortion. Massive report, um, uh, mass live reports. The issue before us couldn't be more serious, Harris said. There is the issue of choice, and I will always fight for a woman's right to make a decision about her own body. It should be her decision and not that of Donald Trump and the vice president, uh, Michael Pence. Okay, uh, here's more from the report. Harris expressed frustration with President Trump's effort to fill the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat ahead of the November election. 
We're literally in the election, Harris said, adding, let the American people fill that seat in the White House and then the Supreme, uh, and then the Supreme Court. Harris was vague, likely because she knows her radical pro-abortion position is too extreme for most American Americans, something Pence pointed out in his response. I couldn't be more proud to service a vi uh, as vice president to president who stands unapologetically for the sanctity of human life. I will not apologize for it, Pence said. This is another one of those cases where there is such a dramatic contrast. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris support taxpayer funding of abortion all the way up to the moment of birth, late-term late -term abortion. Harris has a 100% pro-abortion voting record. She recently opposed legislation to protect late-term unborn babies from abortion and newborns from infanticide. In 2018, she was a vocal opponent of the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, a bill to prohibit abortions after 20 weeks when strong scientific evidence indicates unborn babies can feel pain. We must keep fighting to defend and expand on the progress made for women's rights and reproductive health. Not a, not a pass or a, a 20, um, sorry, productive health, not pass a 20 week abortion ban. He, Harris wrote in on a Twitter at the time, Infamously, when she was Attorney General of California, Harris raided undercover journalist David DeLegion's De De home after he exposed Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood aborted baby body parts and trade. You see, they were selling body parts there. According to the Federalist, Harris met six Planned Parenthood leaders just two weeks before the raid. A newly uncovered document from the California Department of Justice document suggested Harris may have received specific instructions from the abortion chain about what to take when her office raided Deledon's home. It stated Planned Parenthood would like the computers used to produce the videos and to produce and seize the videos. Wow. As part of their campaign platform, Harris and Biden are calling for an end to the Hyde Amendment, which blocks taxpayer funding for elective abortions in Medicaid and other federal programs. Biden and Harris also support Roe versus Wade and want to expand it. If elected, they said, they would codify the abortion case into federal law to prevent states from protecting unborn babies, even if the Supreme Court overturns the infamous ruling. Okay, I want to stop right there. If they remove the Hyde Amendment, those of you who are on Medicaid and Medicare, you're going to see your Medicaid and Medicare plans go down. You're going to see your your um, your access to that because if they touch, if they remove the, the the Hyde Amendment, which prevents taxpayers' money to be used on abortion, then those seniors, those people who are on Medicaid and Medicare, you're going to have limited services because all that money is going to be go right into Planned Parenthood. It's going to go right into uh, abortion. Okay, it's 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 gonna it's gonna affect seniors. Because think about it, the Democrats are going to remove that bill, and they're going to re uh, allocate that money, and so 
you know, they're just, you know, they're going to, they're going to really, really affect those people who, especially those senior citizens who are on, who have serious case, uh, serious conditions. The Hyde Amendment protects seniors. It protects the people on Medicaid and Medicare. So what, watch that happen. You're going to seriously see that. And then, and that's going to be, once they get their hands on it, once they, once they, once they remove the Hyde Amendment, watch, you are going to see them hold on to that, to that funding, to that taxpayer money, and they're going to fight all they can. They're not going to let it go. You will never get it back ever again. So be careful when you go to those polls. Seriously. All right. Polls consistently show that most Americans support protection for the unborn babies, especially at a late stage of pregnancy. Most Americans oppose taxpayers funded abortions as well. Well, they got to prove that in the polls. They got to prove that by voting. All right. Let's see here. All right. I want to see if I can access this. All right. Well, this is an old one from 2015. All right. Well, let's look at it here. Americans want late-term abortion banned. Back bill to stop them after 20 weeks. This is from 2015. Let's look at it. Americans strongly support legislation that would ban late-term abortion and protect babies who are capable of feeling intense pain during an abortion. Congress has a chance to respond to their views today when the House votes on the uh, pain-capable Unborn Child Protection Act, a bill to ban abortion after 20 weeks. The vast majority of the Americans are still very uncomfortable with, with abortion, according to a January Marist University poll. The survey finds support for abortion restric restrictions among pro both pro-life and pro-choice supporters. Despite the strong support, President Barack Obama has threatened to veto the pro-life bill. So he threatened, you know, he, he's going to veto it. According to, he did. Well, he did. According to the National Survey, 84% of Americans want significant restrictions on abortion and would limit abortion to at most at the very, th uh, at first for three months of pregnancy. This includes almost seven to 10, 69% of who identify themselves as pro-choice, who support such abortions, limits, and oppose late-term abortion. The same percentage also say that the laws can protect both the well-being of a woman and the life of the unborn, in addition, by more than 20%. Well, this is, this is, this is, this is definitely, it goes to show you the whole thing here. Now I want to go here to an earlier. Okay. Go here to another. Um, here. Day, Daily Signal report. Let's see what it says here. This is a different newspaper. So we can compare. Six highlights from the Prince Harris debate. All right. Okay. Harris aggressively attacked the Trump administration and handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, we read that, but let's look at the abortion issue. All right, let's look at that. Climate change, China. Ah, Supreme Court abortion. With the nomination of a federal appeals court, Judge Amy, uh, Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, Page asked, uh, asked both candidates 
what they would want their respective states of the Indiana, California to do if the high court were to overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion nationwide and sent the matter back to the states to decide for themselves. Neither candidate directly addressed the question, but both spoke of the abortion issue. In the context of the Supreme Court, the issue before us couldn't be more serious. This is Harris. There is the issue of choice, and and I will always fight for a woman's right to make a decision about her own body. It should be her decision and not that of Donald Trump and Vice President Pence. Pence reiterated his pro-life stance and called out the Biden-Harris ticket. I couldn't be more proud to serve as a vice president to President who stands unapologetically for the sanctity of human life. I will not apologize for it, he said. This is another one of those cases where there is such a dramatic contrast. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris support taxpayer funding of abortion all the way up to the moment of birth, late-term abortion. Penn asked Harris at one point if she would support packing the courts, meaning increasing the number of Supreme Court justices to 10 or more. And then he accused her of not answering the question. Once again, you give non-answer. Joe Biden gave a non-answer, Penn said. The American people deserve a straight answer. In his remarks, Pence noted that the Supreme Court has had nine justices for the past 150 years. Well, all right, she didn't want to answer it. And that, that pretty much says it right there because, you see, the Democrats have been lately, what they've been doing is they've been lessening the power in the Senate and Congress and giving complete power to the courts to make a decision. And, that, and that's always been their game. They're treating the courts as the ultimate power. And that's how they've been trying to get around things. And this, this is serious. Okay, moving on to another article on Life's new, Life News, not LifeSite News, but Life News. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I don't know why we always have to say her name fully, slams Mike Pence pro-life views. He supports forcing others to give birth. <laughs> this is by Mary Margaret Olihan, October 8th, 2020. Democrat Representative... Republican, um, sorry, Representative uh, Elian Omar of Minnesota and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York spoke out in defense of abortion after Vice President Mike Pence touting his pro-life position in Wednesday night's debate. Let me stop here. Eliana Omar is, um, is Muslim. She is... Um, from that country, from the Horn of Africa. Um, wow, I can't remember the name. But anyway, it's um, she's a Muslim, and I don't think Muslims support abortion. Uh, at least uh, I don't know anything about the theology, but it's very interesting. She comes here, she becomes a, a politician, and uh, she's a Democrat, and she's now all-out uh, socialist. Unbelievable. Okay, they slammed Mike Pence's pro-life positions in Wednesday night's debate. Pence said in the debate that he won't apologize. Great, he said that I'm pro-life and I won't apologize. They're going to make a t-shirt out of that. 
for being pro-life and and criticized Democratic vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris for support taxpayers-funded abortion. That's Mike Pence attacking her. Abortion is a constitutional right. It is not a constitutional right. Omar tweeted Thursday morning. We're going to make sure it stays that way. It's not a constitutional right. Okay? It is not a constitutional right. There's not the founding fathers never put that in there. One should never pay for another person's sexual or immoral acts. That is personal. If you say to someone that you should stay out of people's bedrooms, well then stay in that that in a sense doesn't give you the constitutional right to make me pay for what you do in private behind closed doors or whatever out in the open. It's still your business, right? You know, no one has a control over another person's sex drives. It's amazing how they contradict themselves like this. All right. Uh, Acacia Cortez tweeted Wednesday evening, just to be clear, there is nothing pro-life about denying people comprehensive sexual sex education, making birth control harder to access, forcing others to give birth against their will and stripping them of health care and food assistance afterwards. Notice how she throws that in there. She's trying, she's she's aiming towards um, those who don't want to work, those who don't want to be responsible for their own behavior, right? And she wants to uh, access those people because that is her voter base. She wants to make them feel threatened. And she and so therefore she talks about, you know, food. She's referring to like food stamps and everything. But the ones who deserve it are the ones who who really deserve it. There's a lot of young people who don't want to work. There's a lot of people who don't want to work. And some of them are so are so dependent that they you can't, you know, they don't have the discipline to hold the job. Wow, it's amazing how she how she plays with words. The Democratic Congresswoman comments came after Pence debate with Harris, which touched on Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett, who has come under fire from the left for her personal pro-life stances and Catholic faith. I could not be more proud to serve as vice president to a president who stands without apology for the sanctity of human life, Pence said Wednesday night. I am pro-life. I don't apologize for it. And this is another one of those cases where there is such a dramatic contrast. He continued, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris support taxpayer funding of abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. Late-term abortion. They want to increase funding to Planned Parenthood in America. For our part, I would never presume how Judge Amy Coney Barrett would rule on the Supreme Court of the United States, but we will continue to stand strong for the right to life. Pence also pushed Harris to address whether the Biden administration would support adding justices to the Supreme Court if they win the election. Harris repeatedly dodged answering the question. I sit on the Judiciary Committee, she said. I have witnessed uh, the lifetime appointments to the federal courts, the district courts, the courts of appeal. People who are purely ideological, people who have been reviewed by legal professional organization and found to have been not competent or substandard. Do you know that 
of the 50 people who President Trump appointed the Court of Appeals for a lifetime appointments, not one is black, she continued. This is what they've been doing. You want to talk about packing the court? Let's have that discussion. <laughs> she see how she quickly turned it into a race thing. Not the not the fact that they, if they're qualified to work, she quickly as this is this is something that a lot okay. The Marxist communist view is always divide and conquer. They use race baiting, okay? Because they none of them are people of color or black, so she assumes that's racism. So that's her test is they have to be people of color and they have to be people with the right ideology, but they can't oppose your ideology. There's no room for opposition. It has to be our, ideo our ideology or the highway. Wow, it's amazing how quickly... She does the same thing that Casio Cortez does. Amazing. Amazing. Always look for, for a way out. Use race, use color, use anything so you could win. And even though now, now he, she's, she didn't want to answer the question if they want to pack the court, make it 10 and give power completely to the court, take it out of the hands of the Senate and out of the hands of Congress and make the court practically the law of the land, the, the Supreme Court, let them decide it, and which they are there for life, which I have a little problem with that to some cases, you know, this whole thing of being there for life. Amazing. Amazing. So this episode, we're going to have a lot from lifenews.com. Fact check. Mike Pence was right. Joe Biden supports abortion up to the moment of birth. Micaiah Bilger, October 8th, 2020. Two prominent news outlets are misleading readers about Vice President Mike Pence's comments on abortion Wednesday during this vice presidential debate in Utah. In their fact checks, both CNN and NBC News claim Pence was wrong when he said Joe Biden and Kamala Harris support taxpayer funding of abortion all the way up to, to the moment of birth, late-term abortion. CNN accused Mike Pence of echoing some of President Donald Trump's most common falsehoods and misleading statements. While the news outlets admitted that Pence was right about taxpayer funding for abortion part, they claimed he was wrong about Biden and Harris supporting late-term abortion up to birth. According to CNN, the late-term abortion is not a medical term. <laughs> And no candidate in either political party supports abortion up to the moment of birth. Asked last month about the Democratic nominee's stance on abortion and Pence's frequent up-to-birth claim, a Biden campaign official told CNN that Biden supports Roe versus Wade. That's Roe versus Wade. Okay, but what? how far does he support abortion? What the CNN fact check omitted, however, is that Roe versus Wade allows abortion for basically any reason through all nine months of pregnancy because of Roe, the United States is only one of seven countries in the world that allows elective abortion uh, after 20 weeks of pregnancy, a fact confirmed in 2017 by the liberal Washington Post. We're going to look at that in a little while. Roe and subsequent Supreme Court rulings prohibit states from passing laws 
that protect unborn babies prior to viability. However, states are not under any obligation to protect unborn babies after viability either. And some, including Colorado and New Mexico, allow abortions for any reason up to birth. CNN went on to claim that late-term abortions are exceptionally rare and many are done because of fetal condition that can't be treated or in case of maternal health endangerment. Similarly, NBC noted that just 1.2% occur after 21 weeks of gestation, according to the latest data. But that 1.2% Statistic does not accurately depict the situation. The fact that checkers might. All right, let me just read that one more time. But that 1.2% statistic does not accurately depict the situation. In the fact checkers minds, it supposedly proves that late term abortion on, on viable babies who could be born alive and survive. Uh, abortion. Uh, as, as it known, abortions up to birth are rare, but 1% of 862,320 uh, abortions is still more than 8,000 dead babies every single year based on statistics from the Goodmarger Institute. There are also, there, there, there are also evidence that late-term abortion on viable, healthy, unborn babies who have healthy mothers are happening. Diane Green Foster, a well-known researcher and abortion activist at the University of California of San Francisco, wrote in 2013, data suggests that most women seeking late-term terminations are not doing so for reasons of fetal anomaly or life endangerment. Indeed, we know very little about women who seek late-term abortions. Ron uh, Fitzmanson, the former executive director of the National Coalition of Abortion Providers, made a startling admission about late-term abortions as well as in 1997. He told the New York Times that he had lied to U.S. Wow, that he had lied. He told the New York Times that he had lied to U.S. Congress when he said late-term abortions are rare. Fitz, uh, Fitz, Fitzman's late-term abortions are more common than abortion activists admit, and many are only healthy mothers carrying healthy unborn babies. Abortionists Martin Heskill, who is, a, who is credited with in, uh, inventing the partial birth abortion procedure, also said in a 1993 interview with with the American Medical News, I'll be quite frank. Most of my abortions are elective in the 20 to 24 week range. In my particular case, probably 20% are for genetic reasons and the other 80% are purely elective. Stories of babies who survive abortions add to the evidence that are viable. Late-term unborn babies are sometimes aborted and doctors agree to do it. And doctors and nurses, infamously including Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, have admitted that if late-term babies are born alive, they may be left to die without medical treatment. Biden has said he 
he wants to codify Roe versus Wade into federal law. And the Democratic Party platform supports abortion without limits, too. Recently, Biden said he supports the so-called right to abort an unborn baby under any circumstances. He also wants to force taxpayers to pay for them. Harris, his vice presidential running mate, even voted against a bill that would have protected newborn babies from infanticide. In truth, it is the fact checkers who are misleading the American people about how extreme the Democratic candidates are on abortion. Wow. Uh, whew, this is something. You see, here, let's look at the New York Times article. This guy lied. Let's see. All right. So here's the article that Life News has given us a link to. New York Times article, February 26, 1997. So they're showing you right here. They're proving it. The article is by David Stout. An abortion rights advocate says he lied about procedure. A prominent member of the abortion rights movement said today that he lied early uh, in early statements when he said a controversial form of late-term abortion is rare and performed primarily to save lives or fertility of women bearing several malformed babies. He now says the procedure is performed far more often than his colleagues have acknowledged and on healthy women being uh, healthy fetuses. Ron Fitzsimmons, the executive director of the National Coalition of Abortion Providers, said he intentionally misled in previous remarks about the procedure. He called intact dilation and if, uh a vacation, I, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, by those who believe it should remain legal and partial birth abortion by those who believe it should be outlawed because he feared that the just truth would damage the cause of abortion rights. What a, what a liar. Unbelievable. He must be proud of himself. But he now is, he, but but he is now convinced, he, um, he said, that the issue of whether the uh, procedure remains legal, like the overall debate about abortion, must be based on the truth. Huh, I wonder what changed his mind. In an article in the American Medical News to be published March 3rd, an interview today, Mr. Fitzsimmons called the night, uh, called uh, recall the night in November 1995 when he appeared on Nightline on ABC and lied through my teeth when he said the procedure was used rarely and only on women whose lives were in danger or whose fetuses were damaged. It made me physically ill, Mr. Fitzsimmons said in an interview. I told my wife the next day, I can't do this again. Wow. Mr. Fitzsimmons said that after the interview, he stayed on the sidelines of the debate for a while, but with growing unease. As much as he disagreed with the National Right to Life Committee and others who oppose abortion under any circumstance, he said he knew they were accurate when they said the procedure was common. In the procedure, a fetus is partly extracted from birth canal, 
feet first, and the brain is then suctioned out. Oh, wow. Last fall, Congress failed to override a presidential veto of a law that would have banned the procedure, which abortion opponents insisted borders on infanticide and some abortion right advocates also believe should be outlawed as particularly gruesome. Polls have shown that such a ban has a popular support, even back then. Senator Tom Daschle of South Dakota and the Democrat leaders has suggested a compromise that would prohibit all third trimester abortions, except in cases involving the life of the mother and severe impairments of her health. The Right to Life Committee and, and its allies have complained repeatedly that abortion rights supporters have misled politicians, journalists, and, and the general public about the frequency and the usual circumstances of the procedure. The abortion lobby manufacturer's disinformation, Douglas Johnson, the committee's legislative director, said today, he said, Mr. Fitzsimmons' account would clarify the debate on this procedure, which is accepted, uh, expected to be renewed in Congress. All right, I'm going to stop there. What we have here is, it's a business. All right, it's a business. It's, it's, it's just that. And it's also, it's driven by money. Obviously, money is the root of it. It's the evil part of it. And it's also, I think, because research labs are paying tons of money. They want late-term abortions. They want fully termed, uh, full-term, even babies who are born. They want that because they want the body parts. It's the research labs that want this. Why else would this guy go up in front of Congress and lie? Why else would these people are so desperate that they don't want the public to know? They, it's the money. It's driven by money. Politicians are getting money. The medical community, uh, the, the abortion clinics are getting money. They have to be. There's got to be some kind of under uh, under table money, millions of dollars, trillions of dollars, you know, passing through hands and, you know, and, and going into people's bank accounts. There has to be nothing like this could go this far. And 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 the fact that so many politicians are willing to compromise, even I mean, you, you just saw it. They, they want to find some way they know it's murder. They know it's murder. Everybody knows it's murder. But they don't want to do anything about it. And now we're getting to the term now where well, now we, guess what? We're facing the possibility of chastisement. This it's it's obviously happening. And the question is, how how are we going to face this? We need to pray. We need to, we need to start being more, more, more stronger as conservative Orthodox Catholics and Christians. We need to be stronger now. We need to, we need to finally stand up and say no more, no more of this. And we need to tell people like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, enough is enough. Either you're in the church and you're going to follow all the dictates and teachings of the church, the moral code, the moral beliefs, the, the doctrines of the church, or you're going to leave the church. And enough of these bishops, because they know the power of the faith. 
They know the power of the faith. This is one, one of the reasons why the communists manage to infiltrate the church because the church is a net. It, it's a web net. It connects to everything. The moral, the moral, the moral fabric of every person's life. They did it with the Protestant churches and they did it with the Catholic church eventually. They knew the power of the faith and they knew the power of the leadership of the church. They know the power of the moral teaching. They got in there. They got into the seminaries. They got into the first, the Protestant seminaries and they, and they undermined it. They finally came into the Catholic and they got people like James Martin. James Martin is a good product of, of it. They get, they finally got one of their, a product of their education system, which is, uh, Pope Francis, Jorge Bogorio, he's a product of it. He may not think he is, but he is a product of it. Or maybe he does and he doesn't care. I don't know. But one of the things is they got they got in there. They got all these bishops. They got all these man baby bishops, uh, gay bishops into the in, into the church. And they got even people who who even don't even say anything. They're in the church leadership. They don't want to talk about abortion. They don't want to talk any, any about this because it is a way to undermine the church. But one of the things they didn't expect was eventually they even the Orthodox, the conservative Catholic and Christian is going to pull away and stand out and, and speak the truth. They don't like it. That's why things are a mess. And that's why, you know, the Holy Spirit is always going to preserve a few, uh, some for, for himself. The Lord is always going to preserve. Just like in the days of Elijah, a few were set apart. It's happening today. Abortion has to stop. It is human sacrifice, child sacrifice. Instead of, instead of pure, purely pagan, it is now politically pagan. And it has to stop. I'm going to end it here. And uh, God willing, we'll come back together again soon.